Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So uh, I've got some thoughts hopefully to uh, share with you this morning. I believe God spoke to me about some things um, and, uh, and I hope it's going to, I guess, challenge us all. It was a challenge to me as God began to speak to me out of this uh, little passage of Scripture. And I hope that uh, um, it's useful to you in some way. Um, if, if you had something that was of incredible value, something that was really valuable, so uh, maybe it's a car, maybe it's a bike, maybe it's you know, your kids, I don't know, something, something of incredible value that, you, um, that you, you had to entrust to someone, you had to leave to someone, what would be the characteristics of that person? What would be the kind of things that you're looking for in that person that you were going to leave this precious thing to? Like, you know, can I have the keys to your car, Dad? And you get that look, like, hell no, drive your mum's car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> but Dad, mum's is not a V8. Exactly. Um, you know, what, what would be the characteristics? You'd be Obviously, my dad was looking for somebody who was a little more trustworthy than I was and a little less likely to try and get the thing sideways um, than I would be. Um, you know, and we have those conversations with dad growing up. Hey, dad, can I borrow the car? Dad, can I do this? And then when we have something that's of value, there are certain things that we're looking for in the person that we're going to entrust that thing to. Yeah? Um, uh, I've got four kids as well. Apparently, that's a theme this morning. Um, and uh, and uh, you might be a really nice guy, but you're not babysitting my children unless I know something more about you unless there's some credibility some trust that's been earned some level of relationship that is there because I don't care how nice of a guy you are those things are too valuable for me to just leave them with anybody yeah um I'm I'm, I'm going somewhere bear with me (laughs) They're, they're too valuable to just leave with anyone and so I was I was sort of pursuing that line of thought and I thought to myself, what am I going to say to a bunch of men? We could talk about what it is to be a dad, but not everyone in the room is going to be a dad, you know? What it is to be this or what it is to be that. But I want something that kind of means something to everyone. So I began to ask myself the question. And God dropped this question into my heart. And I want to ask it to you this morning. Um, what kind of man would God trust his kid to? So 2,000 years ago, we know that Jesus came to earth. And we know that God was his heavenly father. But there was a earthly substitute there was a dad that he entrusted his son's upbringing to the greatest treasure in all of heaven being Jesus the only son what kind of man would it be that God would trust him to raise his boy I've never heard anybody preach about Joseph before other than the bloke with the funky coat. And so uh, I began to think about what was it about Joseph that qualified him as a guy that God would entrust his one and only son and say, I trust you to raise my boy. I trust you to look after the thing that is most precious to me. I trust you to do the right thing by my son. I trust not only with my son, but with my plan. This plan that's been so many years in the making, so many generations down the line, and I trust you, Joseph, to do the right thing with this. What was it about this man that qualified him that God in heaven, with us people who are uh, 
fundamentally untrustworthy in so many ways. What is it about this man that God would trust him with the greatest treasure in heaven? And I thought, if I could figure out what some of those things are, that's probably keys for my life that maybe these are things that I should be aspiring to be like. So out of that story, I've got just uh, five or six quick things that I think were character traits that we can, we don't know a lot about Joseph, but there are certain character traits that we can pull out from what we know about Joseph that I think are things for us to aspire to, that God might entrust us with something precious. Yeah? So uh, I'm just going to read a little bit from Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. That's our guy. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people." All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So here we go. Limited time. Let's get, let's get through it. Um, Previous to that scripture, we have the boring part, which everyone skips. You know, at the start was so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, who had so-and-so, who was married to so-and-so, who had so-and-so. You know, the part that we all skip. Um, um, I've actually read through that, and it's quite an interesting read if you go into the background of some of those people. And what you'll find and discover very quickly is that there are uh, people like, um, um, what's the name? You've got Salmon and Boaz. So you've got Boaz in there and Boaz married a widow and, and there's a story of restoration in that. There's a story of someone who went out and came back in and was received back in by God. There's a story of Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho, who became the great-great-grandmother of, of King David. You know, There's a whole story of redemption, which is basically the gospel message saying, God, uh, God indicating to us, no matter your background, no matter where you've come from, I'm able to redeem that and bring a good news story out of that. So it's, it's worth reading even just once just to get a, a bit of that. But but the first thing that I noticed about uh, Joseph, which I think is important for us, is Joseph was a man who refused to be defined by his past. I think it's important for us as men in the room. How many of you have ever made a mistake in some way, shape or form? Anybody? Yeah, the rest of you, if you could fly around the room for me, that would be awesome. Um, the reality of the matter is all of us have stuffed something up at some point. But we can choose to allow our mistakes from the past to define us. Or we can choose to redefine ourselves daily and say, God, I don't care what it was yesterday. Today, your grace and your mercy is new every morning. I refuse to be defined by the mistakes of the past. And I'm going to choose the kind of man, the man of God, that I'm going to be moving forward. Yeah. Uh, it goes two ways. The first part of it is he refused. See, there's kings and there's prostitutes in the lineage of Joseph. So it can go either way. You can look at your past and go, I'm too broken for God to do anything with me. Or you can look at your past and go, you know what, I'm, I'm from the line of kings. I'm too good for this. It can go either way. Uh, I refuse to be the kind of man that feels like somehow I'm entitled because my dad was a king. But on the flip side of that, I refuse to be the man who will shortchange God and underestimate what God can do in my life because there's brokenness in my past. Both of those things are incredibly limiting for a man and can box you in and trap you in and cause you to be conformed to something where God's plan and purpose for your life is bigger than that. 
So my encouragement to you today, just like Joseph, uh, Joseph didn't have an argument with God and say, oh, but God, you know, I don't know whether I can do this. I've got this in my past. I've got that in my past. He did not have that discussion. He was a man who basically just heard what God said and received it. He refused to be the person who would be limited by his past. And if I could leave any thought with you more than any other thought, it would be this. Don't allow the limitations of your past mistakes or even your past victories to be a limitation on what God can do with you tomorrow. Yeah? I'm trying to get through this quickly. <laughs> He stood on his own two feet and defined his own future. The second thing we notice about Joseph, I love this. It says, um, so he decided to break up the engagement quietly. As he considered this, he was a man who was thoughtful. He didn't just do an emotional knee-jerk reaction. I'm ticked off. My girlfriend's pregnant. This is a problem. All right, stuffy as all. I'm going to go sit in the corner and have a cry. Men, let's be men. Right? Things didn't go his way. Unexpected themes came across his path and he didn't have a sook and a sulk. The amount of... I work in rail, right? Rail is supposed to be a man's industry. The amount of year eight girl behaviour that goes on in rail is ridiculous. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to pass me a note. You know what I mean? It's that bad. I think it'd be great if we could be men who rather than being emotional and impulsive and making crappy decisions because we're upset and uptight about something, became a little more, more like Joseph and just took a moment, take a breath and think. Actually make a decision that's thought through rather than just sort of jumping in and going, oh, what the heck did I do that for? How many times do you think that? How many times do you make a really bad decision and you think, what the heck did I do that for? You're emotional at the time. You're in the midst of an environment. I think there's a great thing in that. Understand, for God moving forward, you don't want somebody looking after the thing that you love who's emotionally impulsive. You want someone who will thoughtfully consider the process. He had every right to call off this engagement. My girlfriend's pregnant. Everyone's going to think either I did it or I'm marrying some bird who's loose. That's what they're going to be thinking. So he's got to think about all that and what that looks like and what people are going to... And instead of making a rash, emotional decision that would have set him up for failure and set this young girl up for failure, he thoughtfully considered. I reckon it would be great if we as men would be a little bit more like that, a little bit more thoughtfully considered rather than road rage. I think that would be cool. If we just stopped for a minute and considered, Yeah. Because you make good, oh, I've got this rule in life, right? You never make decisions when you're emotional. Never make big decisions when you're emotional. It's a bad time. You've got, you got to get your footing. You've got to get yourself set. You've got to get it sitting right before you make a quality decision. Yeah. Number three, and I love this about Joseph. He was a man with a habit of listening. Says so God came and spoke to him and he listened to what God said. And it didn't just happen once because we know the story that a little bit later the wise men come and visit and then God sends them away through a different way and then he says to Joseph in the middle of the night, wakes him up, says, get your family and get out. You've got to get to Egypt or your son's going to die. It wasn't just a one-off thing for this man. He had a habit of listening, of listening to the voice of God. I reckon we need more men who listen to the voice of God. I reckon we need more men who don't just listen to the voice of God on a Sunday. But more, more men who are looking for the voice of God in the day-to-day, -day, on the Monday and the Tuesday. And what's God saying in your workplace? Not just what God's saying in the service. A habit of listening to what God says, yeah? 
Number four, so we got a man who refused to be defined by his past, a thoughtful man, a man with a habit of listening. Number four, not just a man with a habit of listening, but a man with a habit of obeying. <laughs> How many of you got kids in this place? How many of you know there's a big difference between listening and obeying? <laughs> How many times have you had that? Con- <gasps> How many times do I have to have this conversation with you, man? You know, my, my son, he's a great kid. I love him to death. I currently have a hole about that big in my wall. In my, uh, in my daughter's bedroom, mate, just calm down. You don't do that kind of behavior inside. Mate, just calm down. Settle down. We don't have to be jumping on the bed. We don't have to be doing stupid things inside the house. Blah, 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 blah. I'm downstairs. Next minute, bang, sheepishly. <laughs> Dad, what have you done? It's the difference between hearing and obeying. It's a big difference. If you obeyed me, I don't have a hole in my wall now, son. I know that you heard me because I was yelling at the time. <laughs> But there's a big difference between hearing me and doing what I say. I think we'd be better and bigger as men if we build a habit in our life where we didn't just hear what God was saying, even at church on a Sunday through a message or at a real men's breakfast or at a bloke event or wherever it is that we find ourselves. But we actually took that and applied it and did something with it. There's an obedience that has to follow the listening. Yeah? I think if you... Obey as well as listen. There's a consistency that is built into your life. I love number five. He was a man who was more concerned with right than reputation. What's right? What is it that God wants? Uh, I, I reckon it'd be awesome if we could raise a generation of men who worried more about what's right than what makes me look good. Yeah? Here we have a man who is now going to marry this girl who is pregnant. Now, how does that look? It looks like either you're doing the wrong thing with your girl before you're married or somebody else has done the wrong thing with your girl before you're married. Either way, it's not a good look. My reputation is not in a good place. And yet God has spoken, so I know it's right. So I'm less worried about how it makes me look and more worried about what is right in this situation. I think... Our families, our church, our workplaces would be better places to be if we had more men who were more concerned with what is right than what looks good. If maybe we were having the difficult conversations about the things that we struggle with, if maybe we were having the difficult conversations about the stuff that we wrestle with in private, if we were having the right conversations about that because we were less concerned with what people would think of me and how this will look than getting the issue right. It goes real quiet when you talk about stuff like that, doesn't it? I'm nearly done. Is everyone awake still? Yeah, cool. I'm doing all right for time. Look at us go. Point number six, he was a man who was prepared to sacrifice. Oh, I, I love this bit. And just, um, I'm just going to turn over the page here in my Bible. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Now we read over that, we skim over that. What I got from that was he was a man who was prepared to sacrifice. For the greater good. It says he did not have sexual relations with her. Now, I'm not going to head into a sexual workshop about what's right and wrong. When you're married, you're allowed to have sex. I know it's a big revelation for some of you, uh, but that's the truth. And here we have Joseph who's saying, you know what? It's my right to have sexual relationship with my wife right now. 
They're not fiancé anymore, they're married. I have a right that exists there for me to engage in certain behaviours and yet I'm willing to sacrifice the thing that I have a right to for the greater good. He's literally saying, I'm going to put aside my rights. I'm going to put aside even the expectation. I'm going to put aside what I'm allowed to, you know, I'm allowed to do this. And I'm actually going to put that aside in favour of this is the better way. That if I don't create any confusion as far as whose kid this actually is, I'm going to take it upon, now did God say that anywhere? No. He took it upon himself. He owned this process enough to say, you know what? This is what I need to do so that there's no doubt about the origin of this promise. And if that means that I have to sacrifice my right to certain things in my flesh, then so be it. I reckon that would be awesome as a generation that struggles with things like masturbation and pornography. Yes, I went and said it. It's a men's breakfast. A generation that that struggles with things like that. And can I tell you, the surveys would tell us that about 90% of young men in church, particularly, struggle with those issues. So dads, if you're not having a conversation with your boys, you need to be. You need to be removing the shame and the, and the baggage that's attached to that and opening the door to have a conversation that's effective because the devil does all of his work in private. Everything we drive underground with guilt and shame is a foothold for him, so have the conversation. As a youth pastor who looks after your young people, I can tell you this, uh, at 20 years of working in youth ministry, you will be shocked at the things that your kids are exposed to. You know, there was a, a survey that they tried to do in Canada on the effects of pornography on the developing brain of a, of a young man. They tried to get 50,000 people to do this survey. They wanted a control group and then a group of people and they tried to look for people who had been exposed to pornography and people who hadn't so that they could ascertain the effects and the detrimental effects on the human brain. They couldn't do the study because they couldn't find young men under the age of 25 who hadn't been exposed Literally couldn't find any who hadn't been exposed. So if you think your young people haven't been exposed, you're kidding yourself. Get involved in the world. Open the conversations. Have the conversations. It's a bit of a sidetrack. Keep an eye on what's happening on their phones. Keep an eye on what's happening on their Facebooks. It's too easily accessible these days. You need to protect them. But here we have a young man who is willing to put aside his flesh and the gratification of the moment. And it wasn't even sin. And yet he was still willing to sacrifice for the greater purpose of God's plan for his life and for that life. I reckon the world would be an awesome place if we had more people like that. More men like that. Last one is he was a man of grace and acceptance. He took on this boy that wasn't his as if it was his own. We read when they go to the temple, oh, we've lost Jesus. and they're, I don't know if you... I've lost my kid. But... um. <laughs> He took on this child as his own. He didn't, you know, ostracize the child. He didn't sort of cut. He took on, there's a lot of grace attached to that. There's a lot of acceptance attached to that. I think this world would be a better place if we had more men who refuse to be defined by the past, more men who are just a little bit more thoughtful about the things that they're doing, a little less emotional, more men with a habit of listening to God, more men with a habit of obeying what he says, more men who are concerned with what is right rather than what is good for my reputation, more men who were prepared to sacrifice for the greater good and more men with a little bit higher level of grace and acceptance happening in their life. If we were those kind of men, maybe then God could trust us with the thing that he values most, which would be his kingdom and his people. I, I want to be a man who's trustworthy, 
that God would entrust me with things of value. And the way that that happens, I think, is we begin to model the character of Joseph, a man who God trusted with his own son. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 